This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this week's episode, I am talking to James C., whose newest book, All Kinds of Other, is out on May the 4th from Quill Tree Books. And in this conversation, uh, you'll hear how James sort of came into writing and especially how he came to write uh, this book, All Kinds of Other. Uh, And we also touch a little bit on his other job he has as a voiceover artist and how, if anything, that plays into his writing. Uh, So I really enjoyed this one. Uh, James is a great guy. So listen in. So, James, what book hooked you? I thought a long time about this, and I'm going with a really deep cut, (laughs) uh, a book I'm wondering if you had heard of before. Um, I was a pretty voracious reader as a kid, and it was mostly, you know, Stephen King's and lots and lots of fantasy. Uh, But the first book that made me realize the potential of what a book can do and also uh, a style of writing that I kind of, uh, that kind of informs how I write today, was a book called The Boy Who Could Make Himself Disappear by Kin Platt. I think it came out in 1968. And it was, (laughs) I bought the book because it sounded like it was sci-fi, you know, like it was going to be a wrinkle in time, the boy who could make himself disappear. Uh, but what it really was, was the study of a young teen who has a speech impediment. And um, he also has some mental issues which aren't really uh, named right away, but he seems to be very dissociative. Um, and he has a lot of trauma in his life, but it's all through his point of view. So it's very stream of conscious. It's very, um, you, you don't know quite what is happening because it's from his viewpoint and he's disassociating and he's seeing things in a, in a strange light. I mean, I think he might've been schizophrenic. Mm. Uh, he also has really horrible parents who are, are, incredibly ill-equipped to deal with a kid who has special needs. Um, And, you know, this was way before there was even the term special needs. Sure. Um, And I remember reading it and I come from a very chaotic family life. And I think that's why horror and Mm. fantasy appealed to me so much because you could kind of escape and also scary things could be dealt with in a way which was not too close to you but the boy who can make himself disappear was contemporary the kid was trolling around the streets of new york completely unsupervised he kept meeting various people it was very outside my own life experience um the way he struck up conversations with people all around him um but at the same time, the emotions were real. Hmm. And what he was going through was real. And it acknowledged in a way that I think my previous books hadn't, that families can be um, dangerous or hmm. families, families aren't the thing that is healed 
by the end of the book. And most of the books I had read at that time, you know, family was was the bedrock upon which everybody went to adventures, right? I mean, sometimes you'd have people who were um, families whose the parents had died. That's often a, a huge starting point for books. But in, family was always a place of safety. And in this book, it wasn't, and it didn't wind up being the case. And I, and I just remember it had a huge impact on me on, on, on what kind of things you could write mm -hmm. and that this was a YA book, but it didn't shy away from those issues. And, mm -hmm. and that, that really made a big effect on me. And also because he was a kind of an outlier, he was a loner and I was very much that way as well. Um, I felt sometimes outside my own body in, in some ways. So uh, I felt kind of, I don't know, I felt kind of seen, even though his experiences were very different than mine. So I'd, I'd say that was a big book for me. Great. And when did you come, when did you find this book? When did you first read this book? It sounds like it was your teenage years, but am I, am I yeah, putting that no, together correctly? I think it was my uh, teenage years. Um, I, it might've been a scholastic book fair, mm. could be something like that. Um, though there's a possibility that it was just on the shelves. I mm. had, I had, um, f I have four siblings, uh, sisters, and it could be that one of my older sisters had it and was, and it was just on a shelf. Um, but I remember the, you know, the cover is this boy and there's two mirrors, kind of funhouse mirrors next to him. And he's kind of shimmering on the sides. And, and so I thought it was science fiction. <laughs> sure. You know, so uh, it was a really unexpected surprise and really good. And do you remember when you first came to this book because you thought it was going to be this science fiction, this kid that can be invisible or whatever. Right. When you discovered that wasn't the case, was it something that because you had already kind of been hooked on the book already, or did you kind of have to learn to readjust your expectations and then find your way into the book? Do you remember? I remember that it didn't take me long because, right, I kept thinking, oh, there's going to be a moment when the magic happens. Um, but by the time that I realized that wasn't going to happen, I was so drawn into his perspective and him uh, trying to make sense of the world. And I, I grew to love him as a character. So it wasn't as much the plot which I'm so so used to, you know, with fantasy mm -hmm. and science fiction. It's where are you going? What is your mission? In this one, he was so aimless and so um, jerked around by various adults. And so I got hooked on him as a character and, and invested in him. So by the time I realized that this wasn't going to be a science fiction jaunt, um, I was, you know, really invested. And it sounds like, is it comparable to The Catcher in the Rye in kind of the same touchstone or, you know, points or would you compare it anyway if you were to describe the book simply to someone as a book like that, maybe? Yes, in that uh, he is also disaffected. He's, he's much younger than Holden Caulfield. Okay. Um, and he has much, much less agency. Um, he's kind of trapped within his family. 
Um, it's funny that you would you would mention Catcher in the Rye because uh, I I don't know if I should admit this, but I never quite cottoned to the book, mm -hmm. and it's maybe it's because Holden is is so um, I don't know he's so self possessed in a way and sure. and has has much more agency and I couldn't identify with it at all. Mm. I'm I'm always more in the someone who is being, you know, uh, usurped by the world. Sure. So well, that makes sense. So that's, uh, that was more like what this, this kid, what, what was happening to this kid. And then kind of turning towards you as a reader, you said, you know, you were big into science fiction fantasy, mm -hmm. uh, with the exception of this book. What do you remember? What kind of books, uh, were really big for you? Oh yeah, uh, in those genres that you really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because I was listening to some of your previous podcasts, mm -hmm. and it's it's amazing how there are certain touchstone books, mm -hmm. you know, for for authors. For me, um, I think my gateway was uh, my gateway. More adult books were Stephen King. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember. Uh, Salem's Lot and just staying up all night and worrying about faces at the window and 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 just couldn't couldn't stop reading those. Um, the Pierce Anthony books, the Xanth series of fantasy, Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. And then the uh, the big ones, of course, Lord of the Rings. And, and I ended up reading that aloud to my to my sisters when you know, my younger sisters, uh, the Dune series was pivotal for me and still is and I can't wait for that movie to come mm -hmm. out um I'm so glad I have a vaccine now so I can <laughs> maybe go see it even um and then on the other side of things there was and this seems so weird when you think of a young kid reading these things um like Irma Bombeck hmm. do you remember her I yes Yes, I do. Yes. The, the, the something over the septic tank. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's very wry mom humor. Uh, and and I think I read it because at the time I was just kind of a magpie reading mm -hmm. whatever was in the house. And my mom had the the Irma Bombeck books. And and I really loved that sense of humor. So that that also kind of informed my writing, too, that the, it was a little flip. It was but it was really funny and well observed. Mm. Um, the, uh, yeah, so whatever my parents had in the house, uh, read, and I read, and then there were the, I remember in high school, uh, there was the Columbia, uh, was it Columbia book of the month club? Okay. Yeah. Where you get 12 books yeah. for one penny. It was, a, or a dollar. It was amazing. And then you would get books. So I would just kind of read them, you know? <laughs> and so. As you moved in kind of to your, when you're in your teenage years, outside yeah. of books and things like that, what other kind of things were you like really into? Did you have sort of fandoms? Did you have real obsessions or talents or different skills or practices you went to? What was your teenage life like? Uh, the, the twin things, the twin poles of my teenage life were uh, being in theater okay. and writing. So... I did the, you know, the school magazine um, things. I did those. And, and then I, were, I was in the stage plays. Mm. Um, 
So those were, that's like, I remember in fifth grade, no, in kindergarten, I was, you know, young Ben Franklin. I was a Ben Franklin for the, for some presentation. And it's always, I don't know why, it's always stuck with me, the, the acting part of things and then the writing part of things. Hmm. So it, they've, they've been my twin poles that I go back and forth from. Do you remember an early James story that you wrote? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, there was a contest in Pennsylvania for okay. book writing. Um, and and it, it, you wrote books, and it, I, I think I won second prize, and then the second year I got second prize again. And, you know, and then you bind the books. It was okay. great. You actually made your own book, and then you submitted them. Um, you know, you learned how to make the cover, and and I think I still could do it because it was so funny. <laughs> um, and at that time, I wrote lots of stories that involved, you know, scary twists where the the mother goes into the house and then she gets murdered. She thinks it's her surprise party, and then she goes in and it's actually a killer in there. That sure. that was that was my kind of uh, of writing at the time. It was, and then the kind of Irma Bombeck, jokey jokey. Mm. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I did a, a lot of that. My mother always accused me of killing her off. In, in, <laughs> in There's always a redhead, she'd say. Sure. There's always a redhead you're killing. Is that me? Well, I won't say. But that's funny. You have, in as a teenager, you have interest in um, theater, in writing. As you got out of high school, what was what was your dream? What what did you kind of head towards? I. I would say that the acting part of things took off more. It it, it had predominance um, simply because it was something that was easy to strive for. And then you would have this, this gain of, you know, being on stage. So when I, when I left high school, um, I was a theater major. Oh no, that's actually not true. I was wanting to be a theater major, but my parents, made me major in creative writing. Hmm. Uh, they, they didn't like the idea of, you know, me being an actor. And then after freshman year, I switched majors to, to acting. So, hmm. but then the, then the writing came back again because after college, I joined a theater troupe in Chicago and got so much writing done through via screenplays. Sure. Um, because we were doing adaptations of literature. Hmm. So I would do adaptations. Um, and it was there that I think I honed uh, what, what makes good dialogue, hmm. you know, that sure. kind of conciseness because theater is all pretty much dialogue and, and then action is not part of your province, you know? Hmm. Um, so, so it was so even though I was mostly acting, uh, I never stopped writing. It was just kind of in context. Hmm. And so were there during this time, mm -hmm. young adulthood, post post high school, were there important books in mm -hmm. your life? Were there books that really kind of stand out as either being entertaining, something you reread or just being something inspirational or something that really maybe taught you about storytelling that you still recall? Freshman year, there was a survey class of American literature. And that's when I got introduced to um, 
Theodore Dreiser and Edith Wharton. And especially Edith Wharton, uh, it, it blew my mind. It, 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 she was so amazing in the way that she could, with a really eagle eye, pinpoint foibles in society and her sense of description where you could just see everything she was describing in such a crystalline way. Mm. Uh, she really kind of brought me to another level of, of what good writing is, you know, um, it wasn't merely about plot though. She had plot like, so it was the house of mirth and the house of mirth is something that I probably re revisit every two years or so just because it's, it has a great story, but it's also wonderful, deep character studies, you know, characters that are flawed, um, but that you, you are attracted to. Um, so she was a big one. And then the other, the other kind of book that I had not experienced before uh, was gay literature. Uh, you know, and I, I had never seen gay literature growing up, um, aside from like, you know, the joy of gay sex at the B. Dalton's, on, you know, on the shelves. But um, to read things like Dancer from the Dance by Andrew Holleran and The Boy Who Picked the Bullets Up. I forgot who wrote that. Um, those, oh, oh, A Family Dancing by David Levitt. Um, those were really important books for me because it was reflecting my own personal experience about, you know, being a gay man. Um, and to see that, whereas I had never seen that before, was, was really important. And that it was literature. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't pornography. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, really good stories that featured gay men and not in a coded way or not by, I didn't have to find myself sure. by projection, mm -hmm. you know, or inference like, Oh, that, that character could be gay. Mm. Right. Um, this was being gay was, and the issues of being gay was front and center. Oh, there's a great book called Martin and John by Dale Peck. And in it, there are, there's a character named Martin and a character named John. And sometimes it's a series of short stories and, but they're all intertwined. And some, sometimes Martin and John are lovers. Sometimes they're father and son. Sometimes they're just completely different characters. And that was great because I love, I love books that are elliptical, mm -hmm. that you have to do some work. You have to kind of put pieces together and then arise arrive at something that you hadn't seen before. Hmm. And, uh, and, and Martin and John did that where it just makes your mind work and it forces you, the reader to make the final connections. And I find that incredibly rewarding. And those are the kind of books I like to read. So you were involved in the theater, involved in acting. A lot of your writing was coming out of that. At what point, did you kind of turn your attention towards the idea of writing books? Mm -hmm. I think of the novel as 
the pinnacle of writing, but just because it got me through so many times, it, mm. it, it was so deeply important to me. But I hadn't thought of writing a novel until uh, my family, well, my husband and I moved to Los Angeles. I was going to try to make it as an actor there. Um, and uh, I wrote my obligatory screenplay that every person who moves to Los Angeles sure. must do. It's kind of like, you know, with your driver's license, you have to write a screenplay. <laughs> um, but uh, then I was involved in raising my son, who, who we adopted soon after we, we got to California. I didn't have much time. Uh, and I was doing voiceover. And voiceover is, is, is a perfect job for someone who is also taking care of a kid. Um, and, but it's also, uh, it's a form in which you are interpreting other people's words. You're not creating those words. And mm -hmm. I really started to miss that. Uh, I didn't have an outlet for plays and I didn't have, um, I wasn't very interested in the screenplay format. So when my son, I think was in fourth, fifth grade, he didn't really need me as much, you know, I could kind of devote some brain space to creativity. Then uh, I thought, well, let's, let's just try. So I, I did some UCLA extension classes. I did some independent uh, writing courses and, uh, and started and started writing. So it was, it was definitely, it was an, a way to keep creative. Mm. Um, and then it became a thing, which was so exciting. Like, oh wait, this this is actually turning into a thing. It's 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 many chapters, and <laughs> it, it, that was that was a really amazing experience. Um, I would, for me, taking those writer classes or being mm -hmm. part of a writer group is essential, mostly f for me to have a deadline, mm -hmm. to to have to present pages every week that that just keeps me going because I can get very easily distracted. So. And so that thing, mm -hmm. uh, one of those things is your newest book, all kinds of other, which comes out on May the 4th from Quill Tree Books. Give us the synopsis of what the book's about. It's a uh, YA novel about two queer kids, two boys in high school, uh, one of whom is cisgender and one of whom is transgender. And um, it's told through both of their perspectives. Uh, and it's about how they meet and uh, there is a definite attraction, but the transgender character is, is um, kind of flying under the radar. He's, he's going stealth. And uh, what happens when uh, that information is revealed uh, against his will? Um, it's a high school story. And yeah. what what caused you, or what was the thing, the idea that's got you started writing this story? Uh, a friend of mine from Chicago, who uh, I had known through the acting world, he decided to move to L.A. for six months to just see if he could make it as an actor there. Uh, he was going to stay at our house for a few days, and he brought along his son. Uh, who is transgender, recently transitioned, and wanted uh, the son wanted to go to school for a semester, kind of as an experiment, just to see 
what it was like to be in high school with no one knowing mm. that he was transgender, just to be a boy and to be thought of as just a boy. Um, his own coming out was not uh, fraught, but there was a lot of attention about him being the transgender kid at school. Um, and he had written a little thing on BuzzFeed and mm -hmm. that kind of propelled him into like being this figure mm -hmm. uh, uh, for his community. And so he just wanted to kind of throw that all away for a semester and just fly under the radar. And I, I thought that was so, so exciting for him. Um, but also I imagined that it would be so fraught as well, like that fear of, of being exposed sure. or not. And, and I also wondered what would happen if he developed some kind of strong relationship with that plan of his change. And, and then I thought, what if you fell in love? What, what, how would you negotiate that? Um, and that kind of launched me into exploring this high school world of, of what it means to be queer in high school, which, you know, <laughs> my high school years were quite some time ago. And, um, so I had to do a lot of research to, um, get, get it right because mm -hmm. my perceptions of what it would be like to be queer in high school turned out to be vastly different mm -hmm. than what was actually happening. So, yeah. And what forms did that research take? Uh, let's see. I did several, um, I did a lot of interviews with some trans kids that I got referrals from GSAs and from um, uh, LGBT centers. I, I flew to uh, Pittsburgh, where, one, uh, where the, the kid uh, came from in my book, and uh, spent time there at, a, at an LGBT center there, met with um, a group of queer kids who were having a, you know, um, an evening, um, got to talk to them, and then uh, did the same thing here in Los Angeles. And tons and tons of um, watching YouTube videos, reading Tumblrs, because it's so interesting. That's where the connections, a lot of the connections that trans kids have, they, you know, they, they find those connections through social media. And that's why th those forms of communication are so important because sure. through through watching transition videos on youtube or writing about your experience on tumblr um you can find other people like you you know mm. um, which is why in the book i include youtube transcripts and tumblr posts and lots and lots of texts so mm. because that seems to be you know the the the, the mode of communication sure. With kids. sure and then you mentioned uh, you being a voiceover artist, um, has that other, you know, job or role that you play, does that ever assist in your writing in that it helps you build out the voices of the characters as you're, as you're writing them? Hmm. Um, voiceover, not so much. I think it was more the playwright training okay. that came in just because in playwriting you were yes you are constantly shifting voices and kind of figuring out how this person would talk and then how this person would respond um 
Whereas with voiceover, it's more you're fulfilling the needs of someone else's vision. Um, so I'd, I'd say the sense of dialogue came mostly from the, the playwriting. Mm. Yeah. And when you were, your, your other writings, was it, were you mm. always sort of focused in on YA or was it that this particular book, this particular story was very obviously a YA story and so you, you chose to write within this category? That's a, that's a great question. I, I hadn't, since becoming an adult, I hadn't read much YA. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, well, I, when I wrote my first book, it had a high school character in it, but it was part of a, you know, a three perspective storyline that had the mother and the father and the son. Um, and so uh, some people kind of thought it was slightly YA. And so I started investigating that. And one of the people I blurbed or who blurbed my book was uh, Becky Albertalli, mm -hmm. who wrote uh, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. And so I decided I should, you know, thank you for, for blurbing me and, and I should read your book just to see what it's like. And that book kind of haunted me for for a good six months. Like I read it, then I listened to the audiobook and I read it again. And it's because, and this is my kind of my big introduction to YA, right? Mm -hmm. And I realized there's something, and I still can't quite define it. There's something about YA, which is so close to the surface emotionally. Mm. Uh, maybe it's a, mm, I, I don't want to pigeonhole things, but it's it's a more direct kind of writing, mm. a more a, a somewhat more declarative type of mm. writing that if it's done well, just just activates all the emotional centers of your of your mind and heart. Um, and and I thought, wow, this is so this is so potent. And then I read um, Rainbow Rowell's uh, Eleanor and Park. And again, there was this. There was this immediacy to the writing that was so uh, exciting and and involving, and I just got so involved in the story, and and so I started to understand, you know, what power or potential the, a YA novel could have. And so, when this idea came up uh, to write all kinds of other, it it just seemed natural, especially if I was going to be in the perspectives of the two kids that it that it be YA. And also I wanted the readers that I wanted to connect to were young queer teens. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that kind of necessitated that it would be a, a YA book. Great. Well, let's wind things down here. And as we do, I'll ask you a few questions. The first one being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Oh, this is probably such a stock answer for you, but... <laughs> For me, it's absolutely the Lord of the Ring trilogy. Okay. It it was so well done, and sure. and it had a high bar because I it was one of my touchstone books, and it pretty much fulfilled everything. So yeah, absolutely. Do do most people do a lot of people say that it's one of it's one of the most popular answers. Sure, there's also <laughs> like the Princess Bride is another big one. Mm -hmm. uh, Simon Love Simon is another one that that gets said a lot. 
<laughs> yes, but that's definitely, I would say, within the top three, top five for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question then, is there a book or a series you're willing to admit you've either never read or never finished? Um, that I would admit? <laughs> uh, oh, okay, here's one. Uh, I've. You would think the book Ulysses would be completely in my wheelhouse in that I like to work and I like to solve puzzles and figure like sound in the fury. One of my favorite books, it's completely maddening, but it was great. And maybe it's because I, I took a college class in which we studied it. Right. And I thought I could get into Ulysses and I bought like an annotated version. And I don't know, I got through like two or three chapters or sections and I just, I, it, it just wasn't, it was too, it was too hard a door to break into. So understood. Understood. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Oh, uh, let me give you one YA and sure. one non, uh, for YA, I read the book pet oh, by Akweke Emetsi. Okay. Oh my gosh. It feels like an instant modern classic. It's like mm -hmm. a wrinkle in time written today but with social justice as a baseline. Mm -hmm. And it's so fantastical, but at the same time, it's so grounded in what we are dealing with today. So really good. It's almost like a fable. It's really easy to read, but it has really uh, strong real world implications. Mm. Um, and then the other one I just read that's not YA is uh, The Mirror and the Light by Hilary Mantel. It's the third of the Cromwell, Thomas Cromwell trilogy. And I don't know, she's, she's just a master. She, it, she tied up that, that story in, in such a great way. It's, it's a wonderful read. Great. Well, James, All Kinds of Other is out on May the 4th from Quill Tree Books. Congratulations on this, and we can't wait to see what else you have for us. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. And that does it for this episode. I want to thank James C. for joining me again. His book, All Kinds of Other, is out on May the 4th from Quill Tree Books. Hope you'll check that out. Also hope you'll check out some of the other great episodes we have with some YA and middle grade authors. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading. <laughs>